0: church today. Praise God. I love all of you very much. Thankful that you're here today. I wish I could take all of you out to eat when church is over. I said I wish I could. Before I get through preaching, you may wish I'd have gone ahead and taken you to eat, but let's go to the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 32. The Lord brought me to this passage again, and I had a little conversation with Him. Lord, I just preached from that, it seemed like, not long ago. It's been longer than I thought. But the Lord said, well, you need to go back to it again. And so that's where we're at today. Deuteronomy chapter 32. I'm reading from the message translation. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 8. I think I gave the sound men verse 9, but 8 down through verse number 14. Deuteronomy chapter 32, reading from the message He said, when the the high God gave the nations their stake, He gave them their place on earth. He put each of the peoples within boundaries under the care of divine guardians. But God Himself took charge of His people. I want you to underscore that. But God Himself took charge of his people and he took Jacob on as his personal concern. He found him out in the wilderness in an empty, windswept wasteland. He threw his arms around him. He lavished lavished attention on him. Guarding him as the apple of his eye. He was like an eagle. Hovering over its nest. Overshadowing its young. Then spreading its wings. Lifting them into the air. Teaching them to fly. God alone led them. There was not a foreign God in sight. There was no competition. They were focused solely on him. God lifted him onto the hilltops so he could feast on the crops in the fields. He fed him honey from the rock, oil from granite crags, <clears throat> curds of cattle and the milk of sheep. The choice cuts of lambs and goats. Fine bashan rams. High quality wheat. And the blood of grapes. You drink good wine. Amen. <clears throat> when you read this portion of scripture. You cannot help but step away from it. With a deep appreciation. For what God. Wants to do for his children. Amen. Jacob may be your name, but glory is your end. I want to say that again. Jacob may be your name, but glory is to be your end. Everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our text is part of the Song of Moses, and it's one of the longest farewell addresses that you'll find anywhere in history. It is, in essence, a history lesson. It is Moses recounting the lives of God's people, and in particular, It is God's dealing with His people that He highlights. The way that God deals with His people. More importantly, this message was to a generation of people that needed a fresh understanding of the workings of God. For they were about to enter into a promised land And this would equip them for the new life that they had before them. God's work was for a purpose. God's work was for a purpose. There was a plan for all that they had gone through. Even the pain that they had suffered and endured. There is a wonderful imagery in our text when we read this story we cannot help but be probed by the images that are put before our mind. It is easy to understand and it is hard to forget the metaphors that stimulate the mind that inspire and illustrate God's goodness toward mankind is amazing. There is revelation in the text. There is understanding. And you cannot read this passage without being made aware of three very important things about God and our lives. Number one... God's passion toward us. God's passion toward us. Not only does God have strong feelings about you and I, He has great passions concerning His people, but great passions invoke great power. And so when you see God's passion, And you see it revealed there is always a coinciding power that comes with that passion to fulfill its purpose. And that's the third thing that you find in this passage of scripture. God's passion, God's power, God's purpose. Those three things are always at work when God is working in my life. When God is working on my life, those three things are always paramount in His working. His passion toward me, His feelings toward me, and the power that He brings to help in fulfilling that passion or that desire. That's another word for passion. His desire toward me and The ultimate purpose that God has in mind for your life and mine. And Moses tries to describe for us God's dealings with his people and his relationship to them. And how simply it is done and how powerfully the understanding is when you realize That God did all of that for one reason. You see in this passage God's care for His people. And if you read it from the King James Version, it says He found Him. I like the fact that God found us. I know we like to brag about finding God. I found God, but the truth is God found us. The reason that any of us are in this place today is because he found us. And the reason he found us is because he was looking for us. Amen. Aren't you thankful somebody's looking for you? Amen. Praise God. You know, some people don't want people looking for them. And they go to great lengths to hide so people won't find them. But I want to be found by him today. Because what I read here in this passage is that everything God does for his people is always for blessing and good. Read again the passage of Scripture. He didn't just give them a, a, a food to eat, the Bible said He gave them the choice grain to eat. He chose for them the very best lamb and the very best meat. And the very best provision. Why? Because we are his children. And God has a special affinity toward his children. Now I know we have a lot of parents in this building today. And I know you all love kids. But there's some rugrats you love better than others. (laughs) Yes. Am I not telling you the truth? Your ear may be attuned to a cry from a child, but when it's your child, mom goes into full alert. Dad becomes much aware. Why? Because that's my child. That was birthed out of my loin. That carries my name and when God wanted us to understand the relationship that he has with us and that he wants to have with us, he likened it to simply that, that I feel toward you the same way you feel toward your children. There's a lot of noise in the world and there are a lot of people in the world. And I love the world, but I want to tell you who I'm really tuned into. I'm tuned in to my people. I'm tuned in to those who are called by my name. I am, I am very attentive and I am very much aware of their needs. He found them. He led them. He instructed them. He kept them. What more could someone want than a, a, a care and a concern of that magnitude? And his concern for me was that We or I or you would fulfill our purpose, the reason that we're here. And sometimes in fulfilling that purpose, God has to push us to reach our potential. He has to push us to reach for our full purpose. The whole purpose of God's work is wrapped up in one premise that's found in this passage of scripture. And it simply said in the King James Version, it said, for the Lord's portion is his people. The Lord's portion. This sets a tone to what is important to God. The word portion signifies a possession. Which a man claims as his own and he has bought it with a great price and he has sacrificed. And it is now his great delight that portion means the part or the share of the possession. And God declared that my portion, my possession My passion, my share is my people. It is his pleasure to do good to them. It is his pleasure to bless them. It is his pleasure to help them. It is his pleasure to lift them. And he counts them his portion. A possession that is dear to him above all others. And this portion that he mentions... Involves an investment. Amen. It came with a price. And we are valued today because of the investment that he has made in us. Aren't you thankful for that investment today? Now, I know that you understand the value of something Uh, because you pay a price for those things. But sometimes we may not see the worth of it. We may not see the worth of it, but the value that is placed on it is determined by the price that somebody is willing to pay for it. And when you look at the price that he paid, then you understand the value that you have toward Him. You are not a mistake. You are not another number on the board. You are not another body in the sanctuary. You're not another face among the crowd. You're not another voice among the voices. But you have a divine imprint upon your life... And that imprint says that you are possessed. You are owned. That you have somebody that cares for you. Amen. Amen. I remember reading the story about a man who took a friend of his outside of Los Angeles what day. And he showed him this vacant piece of property and he tried to talk his friend into investing in the piece of property the man that he was trying to convince to break loose of some of his money was art linkletter some of you older people might remember that name art linkletter had a a program uh, children say uh, the the craziest things or something of that nature but he was very influential Hollywood component and very wealthy man and this guy was trying to show him a, a vision of what could be and was trying to get him into investing with him but our link letter didn't see any value in it and so he refused to invest any money it just so happened that the man that was trying to get him to invest in the property was a gentleman by the name of Walt Disney. And what they were looking at was going to become Disneyland. Now the value of that property today is immeasurable. But it took somebody that had the eyes to see that to even bring it to pass. And here's what I want to tell somebody this morning. You in your present condition may not look like much. There may be weeds growing. There may be tumbleweeds. It may not be attractive. But I have news for you. Somebody has been looking over your property and saying, Hey, I like what I see there. I like what I see possible there. And so he invests in my life. He invests in your life, not because of my present circumstances, not because of who I am at the moment, but He invests in me because of what I can be and what I shall be when He gets through working on me. (laughs) Praise God. You may be Jacob. I've always wondered why God chose in this particular passage of scripture to link uh, all of this to somebody like Jacob. He said, Jacob is my lot. Jacob, why not Abraham? Why not faithful Isaac? Why not some other character? Joseph, my Lord, Joseph shows us the power of perseverance, but Jacob, Jacob, the schemer, the conniver, the cheater, uh, you, you can't say enough bad about this man, a man who would trick his own blood into selling his birthright and then all of the thing that he did through his life, the running, the swindling, Uh, the conniving, all of that was who Jacob was. And yet when God wanted Israel to understand that I understand you, you know, Sometimes we see people come to the altar and we think, oh man, they got it all together. They, that, no wonder God loves them. Then you see somebody come up that's all messed up, broken up, got all kinds of problems and hang-ups, and you wonder how how the world could God ever love. I believe God chooses a poster child that couldn't get any worse. He was as crooked He was as warped as there could be warped. His personality was as messed up as a personality could be. But he said, here's what I want you to understand, Israel, that I have chosen Jacob to be the lot or I have chosen Jacob to be the cord through which my blessing is going to flow. Why did he choose Jacob? I believe that God chose Jacob for you and I to know and understand this. That if I can subdue Jacob, if I can transform Jacob, if I can work something out in his life that will turn him into a prince with God, then what makes you think I can't work whatever's wrong in your life out? What makes you think that I cannot fix whatever is broken in your life? Jacob is my lot. Amen. None of us would want to identify with Jacob. We like being on the winning side. We don't want to be on the cheater side. We don't want to be on the conniver side, but God's not afraid to identify with the misfit. There are some misfits in this place today. People that you just don't feel like you you quite qualify for that church stuff yet. Well, I got news for you. You're the one that he came for. You're the one that he came to speak a word for. He wanted you to know what he wanted them to know. That there's no personality that's too warped. There is no life that's too messed up. There is no trail that is too crooked. That when God gets involved in it sooner or later. He said I'm going to be able to work it out. I can transform it. I can change it. You may be Jacob at the moment. But glory is my purpose for you and I'm going to take you from where you are and bring you to the place that I have made for you to be. Amen. Jacob is my lot. That's my measuring line. What a measuring line. A swindler, a cheat. God made it a test case and he proved what he can do with the worst of personalities, God has always taken on the most challenging of personalities, and He can subdue the worst of us. Amen. The, the The taller they are, what is it? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. That may be true in life, but the bigger they are, the more God is provoked. To just so how great he really is how awesome he really is when I look around this building today I see people that have been transformed by the grace of God and I see people that at one time were bound by addictions and things that they could not break free from and today we lift our hands and we worship And we sing and we we enjoy the presence of God. Is that because of something that we did? Is it something that we were able to figure out in our life? No, not at all. Somewhere in life we finally figured out the only place that I'm going to get this fixed is in the potter's house. And the only place that I'm going to be able to get this worked out is for the potter to be working on my life. And that's the reason we're here today. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. When we read this passage of Scripture, we find the value that God places on our life. And it's found in the imagery that He uses. He he uses an eagle. I love that. When I read that earlier this week, the Lord spoke to me and said, That's what I want you to drive home to them. When I look at them, I don't see a mouse. I don't see a buzzard. I don't see a crow. I don't see a weasel. I don't see a wolf. When I look at you, I see an eagle. There's nothing more majestic there's nothing more powerful of all of the typologies he could have chosen that would identify with us. That's not one we would have picked for ourselves. But God said, I just want you to understand how I feel about you and how I think about you. And how I want to work with you. Because there's that kind of potential in you. You are not made To be in a nest. You were not made to be in the marsh and the lowlands. But you were made to soar. That's what I want you to understand about me. Is that when I look at you, I see greatness. When I look at you, I see anointing. When I look at you, I see blessing. Not because of what you have done. But because of what I can do in Praise God. An eagle. Everybody say an eagle. Not a buzzard. Not a flea. Not a dog. I mean, there's all kinds. You read the Bible, all those things are mentioned in the Bible. All those different creatures you find in Scripture. He could have easily pulled one of those but when He wanted you to understand how important you were to Him, He said, you're like an eagle. Amen. Now, right now you may not feel like that, and that's why some of you are feeling so uncomfortable. Because you're used to this, this paradigm, this, this comfort zone of living. And you've gotten comfortable. And God said, that's good, but that's not what you were made for. That's not what you were designed to be. And so he said, let me show you what I'm going to do. And he talks about the imagery of an eagle fluttering over its nest and, and showing, literally showing uh, it, it's the little eaglets how to fly. They tell me that it is very common when, when these birds reach a certain stage in development, that the mother bird will leave the nest and she will make a short, small circle around. And then she will come back to the nest. And however that motherly nature, it, it, she will prompt them to, and they will follow in suit. And the first time is just a small circle But then they will come back and the next time they'll make a little bit larger circle... And they'll come back to the nest and then they'll go back out and make a little bit larger circle. What is he saying? He's saying, I don't expect you to, 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 to tackle the big stuff yet. But what I do expect out of you is to respond to what I'm trying to do in your life. And if you'll respond, it may be just a little circle to begin with. And it may be like you're extending all of your energies. But if you'll just keep following me, if you'll just keep walking, with me if you just keep working with me if you'll let me keep working with you eventually and sometimes that doesn't work sometimes those little birds and really they're not that small according to what I've read an eagle an eaglet that is at the place of learning how to fly is almost as large as the mother bird But it hadn't realized its potential. It hadn't recognized what those appendages are for. They're not baggage. They're not beauty marks. They're made and designed to help you become what you were created to become. But they don't like that. They like comfort. They like their little world. I like my little like I, what I preached about a while back, some people have got God boxed up in a little bitty. They like a contained God because when God's contained, they, they can predict. You know, they can tell how it's going to turn out. But when God gets outside the box, we can't predict what's going to happen. And so we don't like unpredictable things. So we try to keep God confined into our little narrow way of thinking. And God told me, he said, I want to break some people out of some things that have been limiting their development because they, they, they've they got this little space that they think this is their world and God said, no, that's not your world. That's where you are right now, but that's not your world. Your world is out there. This right here is just temporary. So don't get lost in the temporary setting that you're in right now because I've got greater things for you and I've got a greater purpose for you and so that mother when she flaps those wings and she flies and soars and those birds sit up on the nest and they think oh that's so cute mommy (laughs) mom goes into another mode and when mom moves into this mode When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And she literally flutters. The the word, the terminology indicates a stirring of the nest. And you know, I know you've heard the story how they build their nest out of the thorns and all kinds of objects, prickly things, and then they coat it and line it with leaves and feathers and all kinds of things, and it makes it nice, Comfortable uh, place for those eggs to be hatched and for those little birds to begin to grow in, but there comes a point where Mom said, "You know what? Enough of this." And when she starts doing that, she literally starts pulling up, pulling intentionally, pulling up all of the comforts around them. Oh, Mom, I don't like that. That hurt. I, I don't. Oh, preacher, I don't like that. Oh, God. I don't I, I feel like I'm being pushed. Yeah, you've been pushed. Not by me, but there's something deeper that's pushing. You said, "Hey, you were created for more than this. You were designed to do greater things than you're doing. Don't be satisfied in your little nest that you're living in right now." And so mom is stirring the nest up and she's fluttering over it and, "Oh, it hurts. Why? Why all of this trouble?" because there's a purpose that's not being fulfilled and there's nothing more tragic than wasted purpose. There's nothing more tragic than purpose sitting on these pews not being used and utilized. There's nothing more tragic Than God creating us to soar. Creating us for great things. And yet we're content living with all this little stuff. We're satisfied in the chicken yard. Pecking the ground. There's nothing more tragic. Than being created for a divine purpose. And then not allowing that purpose to come to fruition, and God sent me here today, and I I, I wrestle with this all night long and most of the morning. God. I don't know exactly what you're trying to get through but God said I want to tell you just shut up and listen to me. What I want you to say to them is that I'm trying to separate some of the pain that they're going through right now some of the suffering that they're enduring right now is not the devil. It's not an enemy that's doing this. I am doing that because they are not living up to their potential. And the reason life is uncomfortable for you right now, and the reason every time you turn around, it's like you get poked again, and and you just, well, maybe I need to change churches. Maybe this isn't the right place for me. Maybe, Maybe there's another place that's not... Not so antagonistic. God said it doesn't matter where you go. I can chase Jacob down. I chased Jacob for years. And I finally cornered him in a brook. And when I got him at that place. He wasn't getting away from me that time. Yeah. And God said. I want you to to tell him. My purpose is that I'm trying to separate you from what's limiting you. Your fears, your doubts, your worries, your crutches, your excuses, your comforts. Well, you know, look, I like church that's just got a little bit, but not too much. You know, there's a line you go over, and I get really freaked out. That wasn't in my notes, folks. That was not in my notes. But the whole purpose, the whole reason is because God chose you as His portion. He chose you. He picked you out among the millions of people God said, I want you, I want you, I want you. Oh, but God, there's, there's better choices out there than that. You know, if we were to line people up before they were brought into the church and say, okay, that one, nope, that one, no, nope. that, that one, that one. But God said, you know, I, I have a thing. I have a thing for these people that are challenges. Simon Peter, for one of them. He makes him the spokesman for Pentecost. And yet, what all had to be broken and subdued in that man's temperament and spirit before God could ever get to that point? He chooses a Jacob A worm. That's what the Bible calls him. A worm. I mean there's a lot of things that I've been called in life. But I've not been called that yet. And yet God called him a worm. But God takes those most difficult cases. To show you and I. Just how powerful his passion toward me is. His desire toward me but more importantly, how great his power is. He can lift up the dirtiest. He can bring together the most convoluted personality, and he can bring order to it, and he can bring purpose to it. I know I've told you this before, but years ago there was a young man in, in Life Tabernacle, my wife's home church, that came in during... A summertime when a lot of young people were one from a local school and the Lord filled him with his spirit, baptized uh, and just all of those wonderful things. But he had so warped, his mind was so messed up from drugs. I remember him standing at the front row one the first time I saw him and he looked like a zombie. Yes. That distant stare. People were worshiping and and all of that. And it was like there was just that lost look in his eye. We would leave and come back and I would see him again. And every time I saw him, there was a little more clarity in his vision. There was a little more directness in his gaze. And I watched him over a process of time as God began to heal that mind that drugs had so messed up and so polluted and so sickened. I watched God heal that mind. I watched God put that mind back together. And I'll never forget the day I came in to preach for Brother Kilgore. And he said, you won't believe this. But he called the young man... He has been called into the ministry and he's preaching now. I don't even know how God does that. I just know that God has the ability and God has the power to take the most warped, the most convoluted, messed up piece of humanity there is and make it work together. Man, and so what God has come to ask me to do is remind you that He is in an awakening mode right now. God is working not to create something in you, but to awaken something in you. That I was made for more. I was created for greater things. Would you stand together? Praise God. Hallelujah. That divine purpose... That divine hand that works and moves and shifts what personality, messed up thinking, messed up priorities. It doesn't matter. God said, I'm going to make that one my test case. I'm going to show you that I've already done the hardest things that could be done. And there's nobody in this building today, nobody, That's beyond His redemptive help. Nobody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. I tell you what I want us to do. Because I feel like this is the way He would do it. I'm going to invite all of you to come to the altar today. And in among those that are coming are going to be some this morning that are not sure about where you belong and you're living, but you're not really living. You're doing, but you're not really fulfilling. Come on, everybody. Just come and gather up close around the front here today. We're not going to pull anything out of the hat on you. We're just going to let God do a little work today. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. However weak it may seem at the moment, however weak your efforts may seem at the moment, I want you just to lift up your voice and begin to call upon the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.